Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Welcome to another edition of of the State of Economy podcast and here we are to discuss everything in the world of finance. With me is a very interesting person in the payment space Dr. Hitesh Jain. He is a founder of Infinite an organization which was set up to humanize credit and credit cards and he's also a very renowned person in the world of digital payments he's worked with a lot of companies on aspects like open banking payments innovation financial inclusion and more recently the metaverse what are we here to discuss about growingly upi is seen as a thing that can possibly help in the whole de-dollarization de-dollarization means not relying on one particular currency as a source of exchange globally and currently that is the us dollar now ritesh is here with us to explain how this is possible through the upi and whether upi has reached that scale yet to be able to take on the usd listen Good morning Ritesh it's amazing that you joined us today to, to de-jargonize and discuss and go in depth on a topic which has been gaining a lot of currency if i can say uh in the recent times can india de-dollarize uh us dollar can uh upi do the job for india and how potent is upi to take on a big mission like that before we get started with uh, you know what all this is and where india stands what exactly is de-dollarizing globally we've been talking about de-dollarizing for a very long time but uh, usd is still the the mode of exchange and it continues to do so uh, do you believe we are at a cusp where we have to look at an alternative for uh, usd and therefore the moment of de-dollarization is sooner than later now thank you for having me over here uh, it, it's a great question about the de-dollarization that is happening all over the world and uh-huh. uh, what is this all about so let's be realistic the de-dollarization right it's about removing the dominance of a single currency mm. from the global markets and that's what it's all about mm. if we go back in the history that goes up to 1944 when the bretton woods agreement came in place mm. about the variety of the delegation from 44 different countries right mm. and they have put dollar as a single currency for the global transactions right mm-hmm. and now we are talking about 90 years back things mm-hmm. have moved at a pace and specifically if we talk about last two decades at a greater pace in global markets right. and the position of the different countries has moved up quite a bit so mm-hmm. now what are the reasons the primary reasons that we look into the dominance the increasing concerns about the dominance of the us dollar in the global financial system and especially for the developing countries because developing countries start feeling that they are excessively dependent on the us dollar and which is true and on the other hand it has been perceived and seen that us is using dollar like a weapon or blackmail poor mm-hmm. or developing countries and it completely depends on us when they would like to ban or kick any country out of the uh, international payment system like swift just to give you clarity uh, the swift is basically the society for worldwide interbank financial telecommunication global messaging network used by financial institutions to communicate and exchange information related to the financial transactions 
So it depends on the US when they would like to kick out somebody from the system, like what they have done with Russia. I'm not judging here whether it was right or wrong. What I'm saying, it depends on the US, right? Right. As well as there was another concern which is growing globally, it's about the rising interest rates or the mm-hmm. inflation sure. in the Western countries, which creates a lot of uh, fluctuation in the local currencies. And that's what we have seen in the Western market uh, quite recently and often. So these are the reasons like why we should think and consider the de-dollarization and removing the dependence from a single currency. Right. And uh, this is something that, as you said, a lot of countries have dabbled about it, have spoken about it in the past. It's been the ambition. One of the reasons why BRICS was uh, brought into force was also to attempt something like this. But again, we have a little bit of a risk as India. China is not a dependable friend either. It's very unpredictable. Uh, Russia is going through what it is today. So um, how does the whole you know, uh, BRICS layout really work for us? Can uh, India, through the BRICS consortium, uh, work on this uh, de-dollarization process? Very interesting. Thank you. When we talk about the BRICS, it's a consortium of uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And they are working together in tandem for the global trade and the economic empowerment of the region. If you think about the US dollar, US dollar is definitely has a dominance uh, across the market. The same concern for the BRICS as well, because being a powerful group, now BRICS is considering an alternative currency. But at the same time, when you think about the India situation, because in BRICS, we have got Brazil, Russia, India, mm-hmm. China, South Africa. And given the history uh, that we had with China, India should be slightly concerned about that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the China have, uh, have been after pushing the yuan as a global currency at certain point of time, and they are increasing their foreign reserves as well. Now, when it comes down to the India, India's dilemma is more about whether we accept BRICS currency or whether we should push, push for the regional currency, what we have is the Indian rupee. In terms of the US, US consider India as a valuable ally and the strategic mm. partner in the whole Indo-Pacific region. But at the same time, Indian government considers Russia and China's effort to reduce the dollar usage. And that is more ideological than the practical. But when you think about the mobilization of the BRICS to challenge dollars mm, mm. Uh, dominance, that's something to be uh, trade very cautiously by India, especially given the history. So India have been uh, putting up quite a lot of effort. And that's what we have seen. The recent government has been uh, putting up immense effort with the neighboring countries where we have seen uh, the countries like United Kingdom, Uganda, mm. Tanzania, Sri Lanka, Singapore, Russia, Oman, where we are trading with 18 countries in Indian rupees today. So what, as India, as a country, we are focusing on trading in Indian currency and the local currency. And that's what gives us the more power in the global market. In your opinion, we started off this whole Vospro uh, trial last year when uh, Russia, the war in Russia was sort of uh, peaking up or the political tension, border tension in Russia was sort of peaking up. How would you encapsulate 
the whole experience of Vostro? Has it achieved the purpose? Is Vostro a good testing point for what India can do on a standalone basis for it to disrupt US dollar? Very interesting point over here. Uh, given the situation with uh, Ukraine, Russia and US, right? Mm. And India's uh, force regarding coming up with the uh, these treaties or opening up the SRVAs, especially mm. when was to accounts with the mm. government banks from 18 mm. countries that we are referring. Mm. Yes, it's a good start, but let's be realistic. Uh, it is uh, coming from the past, right? In 2012, we have started with this task force to understand that what are the bilateral trades that we can go ahead with, right? Especially yeah. the Indian rupees. So mm. now that have been put in the back which mm. has been picked up by the RBI and push it forward with the SRVAs. Mm. And you are seeing a great adoption because if you think about any country would like to move forward with their dominance in the global market with their currency, what they need is the acceptance of their currency in the global market. Absolutely. And one thing is about the global adoption. Yes, the acceptance, that's what you need. As well as at the same time, you need a significant amount of the infrastructure and the integration. The beauty of the networks today in the global market, as I said around SWIFT, that is the well known and the best infrastructure in the global market today and facilitates the global trade transaction for resources and everything else. So whether we are in a position to do so, but it's a great start in terms of the adoption. The first thing is the adoption that people should start considering India as a trusted partner. And right? that you see happening? Uh, that is definitely happening. And that is evident in front of us. As I said, around 18 different countries are adopting Indian rupee as their currency, including UK. And mm -hmm. that's where to start. Because if you think about the de-dollarization or the dominance of any regional currency, the international adoption is the key. A large number of countries would need to agree to use such a system for the cross-border payments or the transactions. And that's what we are seeing happening today. Mm. And the second thing, as I said, as I said it's around the uh, stability. Stability mm. of the region as well as stability of the currency. And mm. the other part is around the trust. If we compliance, so as we are seeing, we say this out loud globally, the RBI is one of the best in terms of the given the size of the nation, the way RBI is putting up their policies together and bringing the innovation, that is fabulous. And, and the world has seen and experienced that with UPI. But I'm not saying just about the UPI, but the overall global policies that they are putting together and building that trust in the global market. When you think about the geopolitical consideration, so India has got the biggest soft power in the world as of today. That's right. But uh, this observation coming from somebody who's worked with, uh, you know, global companies, global payment companies, uh, launch products for Apple Pay, etc. It's, I would think, a big uh, recognition, a big validation of uh, where we've come so far in, in our journey. And you did bring about the uh, point about UPI. Uh, we will... Uh, delve into can UPI mount this task or not a little later but is that one of the reasons why uh, a lot of cross-border transactions are also sort of getting explored uh, with and through UPI what is your view on that UPI as an infrastructure is one of the best in payment infrastructure in the global market today 
I have been fortunate enough to consult into the various payment infrastructure globally, like the P27 in Nordics, right. which haven't seen the day of the light yet, which is a uh-huh. real-time cross-border payment gateway. Or right. if we talk about the Fed now in the US, which is the real-time payment infrastructure, which is going to see the day of light sooner. I can say very proudly that UPI is one of the best payment infrastructure. Now, what we are seeing that India is building up these trust and the relationship with the neighboring countries and bringing them into the UPI infrastructure. And UPI is going beyond the borders that we have already seen with likes of Singapore and other countries today. That is definitely going to build up the trust and the confidence of these markets. And the international cooperation, that is what required for the large economy like India and their currency to get recognized in the global market. And mm-hmm. I'm saying recognize, I'm not even talking about to seen as an alternative to the USD, but that is the future. Okay. If you think about today, uh, what are the options that we have in the global market? I'm not talking about India. I'm talking about as an outsider or as an insider, right? Completely, let's sit outside India and think about what are the options that global market has against the US dollar? Not many. When you think about China, there's a significant concerns around the trust issues and the way the operating procedures. Right? Mm-hmm. You think about Europe, it's quite uh, fragmented. And it's not that Europe haven't tried that in the past. I've tried that with Euro in the past. And in fact, that-, that was one of the reasons why Euro took birth as well, you know, to fight USD in unison. Precisely. Europe is out of the question. China mm-hmm. is out of the question. When you mm-hmm. think about the UK, given the size, uh, not in a position, to be honest. Sure. And then what is left in the global market as a sizable uh, country. So the, in the global market, if we talk about uh, the alternative payment systems on the currencies, whether people have tried that in the past, yes. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the recent past, you know, we, we have heard quite a lot about the digital currencies as well whether the digital currencies would be able to do so, but we are not seeing uh, that adoption as of today. That's true. That's true. And it comes down to the China and uh, Chinese yuan. And we have seen that, but again, as I said earlier, it's the trust issues, right? It has trust and, issues. And then even IMF has got their own weapon, which is like right. the special drawing rights, SDRs. SDRs, yes. And uh, again, the SDRs, though it is a, combination of the major currencies that uh, they consider is the USD, Euro, Japanese and of the British pound. But right. has got that adoption in the global market? Not really. Not really. So yes. What is the option that global market has today? Now, that's where we need to question and be ready. So when we think about India, mm. what to be ready for the from our infrastructure perspective, from policies for the next 20 years? And we should be foreseeing. Mm. That's what precisely I see that is happening in India or with RBI today. Great. But in in the current form that UPI is, do you believe we're well equipped yet to take on something like this? And I'm asking you this question for a reason that uh, increasingly we are seeing transaction drops uh, on the rise. We are uh, seeing uh, banks and payments uh, players silently capping uh, how much can be transacted through UPI, etc. So mm-hmm. is the infrastructure there yet for us? We're taking on a very ambitious plan, but are we well equipped for it at all? I would say uh, not really. If we compare UPI versus uh, like SWIFT, or it's like 
slightly apple and oranges at this point of time. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that is not possible, but what I'm saying that there are multiple things which is required to be in place before we can say that we can take on to the U.S. dominance or U.S. Mm -hmm. dominance, right? So as I said, it's the international adoption that's what we need. So the international acceptance that is growing at this point of time. We need to focus on our currency stability and the liquidity because mm -hmm. that gives the confidence in the market participants as well as that is crucial for the international trade investment and the financial transactions. So the financial stability is the key. From the infrastructure perspective for the UPI, we need a robust financial infra infrastructure right. uh, to support the digital payment at a global scale. So sure. nationally, we have seen it's phenomenal, but at a global market, that's where we are tasting the water at this point of time and uh, building that trust and the confidence amongst the uh, countries. Mm. And the regulatory framework, as I said, I really appreciate uh, the RBI and RBI governors because it's all about like when you talk about the uh, international financial regulations, your mm. best in class anti-money laundering measures. Yes. Best in class, the data protection laws. So when yes. you think about the data protection laws, we are not there yet realistically in the country. So we need to focus on the data protection laws. We need to collaborate with the regulatory bodies globally. And that has started happening and that is already happening as we are speaking. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And apart from that, you can say the geopolitical factors. And mm -hmm. that plays a significant role. As I said, India plays a significant role in the global geopolitics today as we have got the biggest soft power in the world and mm -hmm. the way we are perceived as Indians, right? And right. on the top of that, the economic strength and the stability. And when you think from the currency perspective, because the issuing country or the countries behind the payment systems need to mm -hmm. that economic growth and the stability so that whether we have got the control on our inflation, whether we have we are disciplined on our fiscal policies, whether we are sustainable growth economy. And that gives the confidence to the global market to consider you as a digital currency or consider you as a ongoing and dependable currency. Sure. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up on uh, a couple of suggestions from you. Um, you did mention about, uh, um, you know, digital uh, uh, regulations, uh, data protection norms, which is a little bit of a weak link, uh, etc. So three uh, suggestions that you would give to the regulator, that you would give to the policymakers uh, to ensure that UPI, INR can get there to even start thinking of on a very standalone basis disrupting the u.s dollar the first and foremost it's around uh, building up an infrastructure uh, which is sustainable for the longer term and which what can... exactly do we mean here because this is a point of contention even when we look at you know upi from a domestic transaction perspective so if you can elaborate a little more on you know how you envisage infrastructure we really look for UPI has grown up exponentially, as we all know, and from the inception. And what we have seen, the biggest challenge with the UPI today mm -hmm. is the market concentration. So, yes, it's a digital public infrastructure and the goods, which mm -hmm. is great, mm -hmm. you know, which is free for the public. That's great. Mm -hmm. But if you look into the public-private partnership, 
it is highly concentrated by certain players in the economy. Yes. Right? That goes against our ambitions to consider as a, as a currency for the global market. Right. Thank so that is one of the major constraints that we have. So we got to trade very carefully over here. The second thing is about whether we are ready for the global to settle the global transactions as of today. We are doing that in the Indian rupees. And what is our acceptance in the global market? As I said, that that is growing. So we need a lot more forces and the policies, especially from the monetary authority perspective and uh, the stabilization of the currency as well. That's what we would need. But isn't it also a little bit of an oxymoron at this juncture that we're talking about stabilization of the currency and currency is often pegged to USD. Therefore, it becomes a bit of a uh, chicken and egg kind of a situation, <laughs> doesn't it? So that's what we call it as a multipolar currency, right? Yes. And, yes. and that's what we would really need uh, uh, when we talk about India as taking the leading role uh -huh. or talk about whether we need a multipolar currency system and what that right. means that the multiple right. currencies playing a significant role in the global transactions. Mm -hmm. so even before reaching out that India takes the lead position, we need to start with the multipolar currency system, right? Where the multiple currencies playing a significant role, mm. not just the Indian rupee. And that's what we would be able to achieve by, uh, by uh, bringing all these countries together. Um, uh, look forward to chatting up with you on the same topic and possibly uh, six months from now let's take stock of how far we've moved and hopefully we should have moved a little far um, thank you so much for breaking down uh, what could easily be perceived as a complex topic thanks so much Ritesh thank you so that was it for this edition we'll come back to you with another very interesting topic in just a bit for now, it's your host, Hamsani Karthik, signing off.